look at today's uh, uh, topic, and it's a very interesting one, which is a trend story, really looking at the various protests that we've seen uh, in various countries. I mean, we can cite a few ones in terms of uh, when you look at what's happening in Sudan, there seems to have been put uh, pressure there, which is Al-Bashir's government, in terms of the protests taking place for uh, the current president to step down in that country. And already we've heard uh, rights groups uh, such as Human Rights Watch actually raise concerns around uh, the government's uh, actions against these anti-government protests. And some uh, groups have cited that at least 60 people have died and hundreds have been jailed in uh, Sudan. We know now pressure has been rising in Algeria, uh, whereby uh, we've seen uh, President Abdelaziz Bouteflika saying that maybe he won't run for re-election. This is after we've seen months of pressure uh, in where students and uh, citizens in Algeria have uh, stood up in the capital, Algiers, and uh, stating the fact that they do not want to see the man uh, actually bidding for a fifth term in office. Now we can cite what's happening in Zimbabwe. We Early on, we saw pressure around the economy. Uh, we can speak about uh, other countries such as uh, what happened uh, uh, earlier before the elections in the Democratic Republic of Congo, uh, where uh, residents were saying they do not want to see uh, the former president, Joseph Kabila, standing in power once again. Uh, so we've also seen that people were asking that uh, people should actually concerned around even the coalition government where Joseph Kabila is involved in. Well, we'll speak with our guests on the line who'll be really looking at this particular subject matter. That's Ibrahim Dean once again joining us from the Afro-Middle East Center. He's a researcher there. And then we'll have Africa analyst uh, Dr. Martin Rupia uh, who will be joining us in his analysis. Also from Chatham House, I think we're still trying to get hold of Alex Vines, who's the head of programs there. But let me start with you, Dr. Martin Rupia. Thank you for giving us your time. Thank you for inviting me. And Ibrahim Dean, thank you as well for joining us for this hour. Thanks for having me as well. Now, Dr. Martin Rupi, I've highlighted a few um, scenes of unrest where we've seen uh, uh, real protests coming from the ground against uh, um, especially long-term uh, presidents in their own countries. But we know that uh, even in Zimbabwe, we saw protests recently around the e- economic situation in the country. What do these protests say about uh, a civil participation on the African continent? What we are now seeing is uh, perhaps a second phase of, uh, you know, attempts towards democratization. And and I'm very glad that uh, in your introduction you really point to countries that are struggling, Uh, you know, Khartoum, Sudan, Algeria, you know, etc. But we also have another phenomenon, and this is, uh, you know, in Togo and in Gabon, where ruling parties post-independence, uh, and of course, this was also true in the Congo. You you now have children of uh, you know uh, fathers that have died, uh, continuing with the ruling parties, uh, uh, maintaining as it were the status quo. And this has brought you know people onto the streets, as we have seen in Cameroon uh, and other countries. So, so really, the, the the Africans are attempting uh, to 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 introduce constitutionalism. And, and protests appears to be the instruments that is available, most available to most people. Mm. Your thoughts, Ibrahim? 
Yeah, I think um, Dr. Rupia has it on the, you know, hit the, the, the nail on the head that it's, it's a process of democratization. I think what's different from before, because I don't think these processes have, you know, are only starting now. I think what's different, what's different now is the fact that social media has been used as a tool for both highlighting and coordination. And it seems as if this has become, uh, in a sense, a force multiplier. Now, whereas previously, protests could be very easily suppressed, now with these things, they're not so easily uh, suppressed. And this has meant, you know, that even if governments necessarily don't take protests seriously, uh, the international community becomes more aware, and, and, you know, at least there's some force being placed on these regimes to at least use less force or, you know, change things in a certain way. And, I mean, we've seen this with the DRC, where, you know, uh, Joseph Kabila stepping down wasn't you know, necessarily of his own fruition, but mm. also pressured from uh, countries abroad. Mm. And in terms of that, uh, are we seeing an era or a gap in terms of uh, um, the, the real sentiments of these uh, African countries in terms of the people's sentiment uh, versus uh, the rule, rulership within those countries, Ibrahim? I think the the big thing is, as, as Dr. Pierre said, economic performances have become worse, um, uh, and you know uh, these rulers have, you know, if you look in recent years, they many of these rulers have tried to navigate these things. You know, in the early 90s, it was about constitutional limits. Many of these leaders, Omar al-Bashir, uh, for example, Kabir, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, Kigami in. Um, in Rwanda, mm-hmm. all of them have been, Burundi and Kuruziza, have been trying to work ways around these presidential limits and, you know, people have become a bit more, you know, uh, uh, willing to push the, the boundary and basically, you know, keep these presidents to their limits. I think the bigger issue, though, is, you know, the gap is what happens after this. You know, we're currently looking at Algeria, for example. Yes, the president, they said, is not going to run for fifth term. But the president wasn't, wasn't the government or wasn't governing the country during the fourth term. It was governed by other people. And so that is the problem, is what generally happens, you know, what happens after a while these processes are occurring in the background. What's worrying is the response to these particular protests or these voices that, that are coming from grassroots and at times informed by opposition politics, uh, Dr. Martin Rupia. I mean, I've been just reading around what's happening in Cameroon that you cited um, earlier on in your response where it's been reported that around 26 people were arrested in Cameroon um, in January during protests uh, called by opposition leader Maurice Canto and have been jailed for one-year terms and we know now in uh, the voice of human rights organizations around what's happening in Sudan uh, in terms of at least 60 people reported to be uh, killed and uh, now hundreds in uh, jail. What are we seeing from uh, these governments in terms of these responses? It's uh, very worrying to see that kind of response in terms of uh, trying to engage with uh, the populations. Well, uh, you know, uh, in support of Ibrahim's point about, you know, the use of social media, yeah. uh, there are other factors also at play uh, in almost the grassroots uh, who are able to connect with each other, able to see that progress is, you know, being made in the countries next door. Yeah. So certainly for Algeria, this is a second return from the Arab Spring that we saw in North sure. Africa. Mm-hmm. But the more important point, uh, you know, I think for me, is uh, the ability for grassroots to take casualties. If you go into Sudan, Khartoum, uh, into Cameroon and others, people are on the streets. 
and they are being shot at, and, and they're taking casualties. And, and I think many governments and institutions, including the United Nations perhaps, the international community, are way behind the voice of protest. Because when you see unarmed you know, youths uh, uh, you know, taken to the streets and lawyers and, and, and other government people, uh, this really is an, you know, an important turning point. But I don't think uh, governments, in terms of uh, uh, assisting towards the transition, uh, have been sensitive enough and urgent enough to, to reduce the casualties that we see. Because we have these young people getting on the streets, mm. protesting against misgovernance. And, and of course, I think what we have now seen in Algeria is an attempt by the ruling party to try and deflect. Certainly we know that there were three factions uh, managing the affairs you know, around the Bouteflika was in a wheelchair. Uh, you had the ruling party on one hand, you had the military on the other, the intelligence services. Mm. And they could not agree amongst themselves is to the succession, you know, going forward. So Bouteflika has, in fact, done two things. Not only has he agreed to step aside, but he has also postponed the next elections. So, so the problem has not been solved as we go forward. All right, I'm going to take a quick break, and I want to highlight that particular dynamic that has been brought forward there by Dr. Martin Rupia there around the, the youth demographic being uh, leading these uh, unrests or civilian unrests that we're seeing in these various countries. Are we seeing a generational gap here and almost a new uh, kind of uh, politics that is informed by another uh, generation. Uh, we'll look at those questions after this break. Swiss chocolate wouldn't be Swiss chocolate without African cocoa. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you think about it that way because you realize just how important Africa is to the global economy. And as long as we are deemed to be inferior by the community out there, nothing's ever going to change. I believe it was one of the uh, ancient Greek philosophers who said that when we teach, we'll learn twice. Hello, Africa. Welcome to 1000 African Voices on Channel Africa. 1000 African Voices every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. with repeats on Sundays between 10 and 11 as well as on Monday morning between 3 and 4 Central African Time. 1,000 African Voices with me, Awurengwi C on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance from an African perspective. Thank you for joining me, Benjamin Mushatama, right here on African Dialogue. Remember, we come to you every Monday to Thursday at 1100 hours Central African time, where we contextualize the big issues on the African continent. And today we're speaking on a recent wave of uh, political marches by civilians, and some of them have been aligned to opposition politics. But also what was highlighted before we went to that break uh, by Dr. Martin Rupi, especially what you see is happening in Algeria is that you're seeing a youth contingency participating in this particular movement right now. And I was just looking at the context of South Africa. I know there's a big joke happening on uh, um, social media around the African National Congress's electoral lists and uh, everyone making fun of the fact that we are sending Abumagoko to be in government and people over the ages of 60 ruling countries. And that's 
seems to be a big topic around South Africa, around the ANC's electoral list. And it brings me back to this question, Ibrahim Dean, in terms are we seeing an, a response to, is it an issue of ageism or a generational gap here? I think there is the issue of a generational gap. Specifically, we're looking at Algeria, for example, right? Uh, the big thing about Algeria is many of the middle-aged people are wary of what they call the black decade in the 90s, uh, you know, which led to the deaths of 200 to a million people, uh, 200,000 to a million people, uh, uh, you know, um, as a result of the government's cracking down on uh, Islamist forces. Uh, but the younger people were born, you know, in times after, you know, like, and don't necessarily remember that. They also don't necessarily remember the Algerian struggle with France. And, you know, Algeria's leadership, Bouteflika, for example, is a veteran of the, of the, of the war on France in the 1950s and 60s. Um, so, too, is the case in, in Sudan, where we have 70-year-olds uh, ruling the country. You know, um, and, and what has made it worse is the fact that these leaders have been trying to, to hold on, but also the economic performance has There's no, been no space for... Uh, a more upward mobility, specifically both from an economic and a government perspective, for young uh, uh, citizens. And much of the continent, you know, is aged under 30. And, you know, this is influencing the protest also because younger people are generally a lot more skilled and adapted using different and new and enhancing different technologies for coordination, uh, you know, than older people. And so... Uh, and are also more influenced by values and aspirations from abroad in neighboring countries than older people are. And, and this has meant, you know, that this cocktail has, has allowed, you know, even in the Arab Spring, um, or Arab uprisings in 2011, had allowed for protests to spread from Tunisia to, you know, to Egypt, to Yemen, to Bahrain, to even places in Uganda. Um, and so, you know, this, this is uh, a, a, fact, a big mm-hmm. factor in the protests. Uh, Dr. Rupia, it's the same in um, um, Sudan, isn't it, that the face of protest might look mixed, but uh, it's usually the face of either women or, or young people as a whole. Well, I think for, for all of us, uh, Ibrahim, Benjamin, myself, the first thing we need is, I think, to correct the terminology. Because what, what these young people are attempting to do is actually not unrest. If you see the concessions that uh, al-Bashir has made and also even Bouteflika, they begin to move towards national reconciliation, uh, creating dialogue, and even looking at, uh, you, know, con- you know, rewriting the constitutions. So this is what the young people are attempting to put on the table. But governments have the ability first to accuse the young people that they are being fed from outside or they don't know what they're talking about, etc. But certainly, yes, to answer your question, the, in, in Sudan, the traditional political parties were very hesitant to take the lead on demonstrating against al-Bashir. So it was the young people followed by the students, and then the professors, and then you know, the legal community, etc. And then well after that, you had two important uh, components joining. Not only the established political parties, but also even uh, people within the ruling parties started to then rebel and join, you know, the street protests. So, so clearly there's an agenda here, which is really national. And, of course, in Algeria, they have said, mm-hmm. we don't want outside interference. What we need is, you know, a move away from misgovernance, from the corruption uh, uh, and the kleptocracy to allow that to move away and, and to allow national 
to take charge of their own destiny. So these are you know, key important points going forward. Let me bring in Dr. Alex Vines, who's the head of the Africa program at Chatham House. Uh, Dr. Vines, uh, finally, we've got you on the line. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. Now, we've been speaking about this unrest that we're seeing in various uh, African countries uh, from uh, um, uh, Algeria to Sudan, even to the recent unrest that we've seen in uh, um, Zimbabwe, but we've also cited what's happening in uh, Togo. We know the Togolese protests were long from 2017 to 2018 that were really against the 50-year rule of the father-son combination of Nasimbe, Eyadim, and Forek Nasimbe. And uh, there's a lot of uh, actually examples that you can make of these kind of protests on the African country. But we're now at a point where we're speaking about the, the young face. And it's maybe around their approach of politics that young people have uh, to the, uh, the the current ruling dispensation on the African continent because as was cited by Ibrahim briefly I was speaking to um, Ben Mboko the other day around what's happening in the Democratic Republic of Congo and his response was more on historical analysis and looking at things uh, uh, via the Mobutu Seko era what happened post that and how we finding ourselves in this particular political landscape but the current recent uh, young demographic is not interested around the history of politics but are, recent, are more interested on what's happening now in terms of issues of constitutionalism and issues of transparent governance yeah i mean look there are two things here that, that, that strike me one is that we're talking about long-standing leaders so whether it's mr mugabe having been uh, having to leave zimbabwe uh, uh, the presidency there, the pressures on Mr. Bashir, Bouteflika, the president of Togo, and there are a number of others. I mean, you mentioned earlier uh, in your discussion the, the, the demonstrations that we saw last year, uh, the Bobby Wine phenomena in, in Uganda. So that's one thing about long-standing leaders. And obviously for listeners in Southern Africa, there's the overlap with long-standing parties too. And, and so uh, national liberation movement parties are also under duress. And so uh, that's a, a, an issue where I think you'll see, for example, Frelimo, that has been the uh, party of government in Mozambique since 1975, will have the closest run uh, ever in terms of the elections in Mozambique uh, in October, both uh, in terms of the legislative and gubernatorial elections that are going to take place for the first time, but also the presidency. So you're absolutely right. Uh, youth are looking for change. They're not tied to history, to liberation, uh, to, 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 to personality politics quite in the same way, uh, and they are looking for service delivery. Having said that, very old people still get voted by large numbers of young people. Look at some of the election results that we've had in Zambia, for example, in recent years, uh, and the age of, of, of leadership coming through there. So the Ageism isn't necessarily an issue, but a desire for change of some sort is clearly something that we're seeing in a vibrant continent like Africa that, uh, at the moment. It is something uh, that I think increasingly politicians are going to be held uh, to account. How are they delivering health, education, getting growth, rather than just uh, feeding their own patronage networks?
Mm. And, and what are your thoughts around that, uh, Dr. Rupia, especially around that approach in terms of reference to politics? Because for a long time, we've seen things from a, a pre-colonial to post-colonial area, and that's a different generation that sees things that way. I'm sure the millennial generation sees things completely different, and hence this approach to actually going out in the streets and asking for answers. Certainly, you know, Alex is right in terms of... Uh, Many countries, or in fact globally, people are moving into what is called the fourth economy. And the young people watching many of these in power completely misunderstanding uh, uh, or in fact adopting policies that uh, are retrogressive towards national development are themselves frustrated. Uh, uh, You know, you have more than 75, 85% African youths. And the unemployment is a major component uh, you know, challenge that we are facing. So certainly when they contrast what is happening at home and what they are able to see through social media and other engagements, their frustration and their lack of finding something tangible really gets them onto the streets. And I don't think many of the governments uh, who are in fact attempting to maintain the status quo are prepared to find room and accommodate, uh, you know, all of these frustrated young people. Ibrahim, let me bring you into this particular discussion as well because it's very interesting around issues that we're talking about that unemployment seems to be central to why we're also seeing uh, this outpouring of people going into the streets. And maybe like Dr. Martin Rupia was highlighting, it, we're using the wrong word in terms of using the phrase unrest, but there is a, a sense of frustration in this regard, especially around issues of transparency with governance and the idea that we need to really review our stand on constitutionalism on the African continent, especially when you look at the approach of the African Union when it uh, when we cite these uh, leaders such as the Al-Bashirs of this world they seem to have a certain influence within uh, that particular body but they're not really reprimanded and things are not cher- changing in terms of the gear fast forward in terms of democratization in that regard especially when we look at how the African Union is panning out. I think you know the big issue with the African Union is this issue about sovereignty um, and, uh, you know, that's what they would call unconstitutional changes of power, and this focus on, you know, this constitution not actually wondering or looking at the fact that whether the constitution, constitution is actually being implemented properly. Mm. And so, you know, we have the African, uh, the African Union as a body that generally still remains dominated by all people, um, and also more focused on stability and you know non-interference than anything else. I think also you know there is a colonial uh, uh, aspect to that in the sense that African countries don't want to necessarily be seen like the colonialists were seen. You know, colonialists were seen previously in influencing other countries or trying to attempt to influence other countries. I think the big thing though with youth is. You know, there's two factors. One is the unemployment and, and that, you know, which is quite significant. You know, um, many talked about previously what they called an autocratic bargain, that people were able to deal with autocrats if their living standards were increasing. And, you know, this has not happened in the past few years, you know, because of, uh, you know, the global crisis, the fall in oil prices, for example, in, in Algeria, the splitting of South Sudan in Sudan, but also, um, you know, the failure of political institutions. And I don't... I, 
I think we don't look at that enough that, you know, people have tried to participate in elections if, there's, if the results were continuously rigged uh, or elections weren't necessarily free and fair. You know, young people have become uh, less focused on stability and more focused on change. And and I think that is one thing that, you know, the, the, this protest is actually a failure of democratization uh, or, at, or at least a failure of democratic previous democratic processes. And, you know, in hoping so, uh, in looking at this, we would then hope that, you know, we start looking at the reconfiguration of these political systems. I mean, as we've seen in Egypt, it didn't change, and we're in a situation now worse off than we were three years or five years ago. Mm. Okay, let me take a quick break, and I'd like to expand the thought on the reconfiguration of uh, these political systems that we're seeing currently. I'll start with the Dr. Alex Vines when we come back after this break with that question. Welcome to Change Your Game on Channel Africa, the African perspective. We are coming to you from Johannesburg, right here in South Africa. I'm Asanda Beda, your host. Change Your Game, the program that promotes open discussion and social dialogue as we highlight real issues in the African entrepreneurship ecosystem. Trevor Mumba now joins us in studio to talk about his entrepreneurial and personal journey. Welcome to Change Your Game, Trevor. Thank you so much. Um, it's an honor to be here. Palesa Mukubong, who's a designer. Welcome, Palesa, to Change Your Game. Thank you. Your role at the fourth annual Fashion Without Borders event? I just know that I need to arrive and, and, <laughs> okay. and do my part and do it really, really well. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective. Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalunye Nzovu and you are listening to Channel Africa. We are Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Well, it is 33 minutes past 11 o'clock Central African time. In around 12 minutes or so, we'll get our business news. Tracy Boomgaard will be coming in, and thereafter, we'll get our sports. But if you're just joining us, you're a bit late for this fantastic conversation we have been with our guests, not on a great topic, but on an important one, where we're seeing waves of uh, opposition coming from young people, also from also political parties, whereby we're seeing and what we've been terming unrest, but there's, that's a questionable um, a phrase in itself. But you're seeing really uh, a, a resistance to uh, long-term presidencies, uh, constitutional constitutions that have remained the same for eons and eons of years, and also for the fact of we're not seeing transparent governments where these uh, protests are happening, but also the economies are also challenged in these uh, various uh, countries. Let me come to uh, Dr. Alex Vines, head of the Africa program at Chatham House. Dr. Vines, what are your thoughts around that uh, one sentence that 
that actually is questionable that was brought forward by Ibrahim Dean, not in a negative light, but uh, as uh, something to probe into in terms of reconfiguring the way politics are done on the African continent, especially in terms of holding each other accountable in light of uh, the job that the African Union needs to do in this regard? Well, one of the uh, trends that we continue to see, so uh, I unfortunately see quite a lot of business as, as normal rather than reconfiguring politics, is that we have a lot of elite bargaining. So what's happening at the moment in Algeria is elite bargaining now with the military and others about some sort of soft landing. What we had in Zimbabwe following that, that, the coup there was an elite bargain, basically, by ZANU. What we had in Zimbabwe was an elite bargain about a transition post Mr. De Santos. Uh, what we've had in Mozambique is an elite bargain. In fact, what we had in the Democratic Republic of Congo was an elite bargain which South Africa also bought into, which is that the winner of that election was denied that, Mr. Fayalo, and uh, Mr. Tisikedi became president and has been recognized internationally because he's seen as a man that can bring stability not necessarily democracy, but stability, inverted commas, to Congo. So this is part of the problem, which is why I think we're getting increasingly uh, large numbers of young people frustrated by, uh, by, by, by politics. Now, sometimes that means increase of electoral vote, and one of the things uh, that we're seeing in Mozambique at the moment is very much larger numbers of people coming out to vote because they're very angry at Frelimo because of all the corruption scandals uh, around undisclosed loans. And as your listeners know, uh, there is a, an extradition case taking place in South Africa at the moment. Mm. The opposite has happened in Nigeria, where turnout for the uh, Nigerian presidential elections that's just happened, which was being basically contested by two very uh, elderly uh, uh, gentlemen, was at an, a, a, almost a historic low. So Nigerians had decided that there wasn't really a, 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 a purpose to go out for voting, and they're waiting for the next election. Uh, what we do need, the solution, of course, is a new politics. And uh, sometimes electorates can come up and, 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 and try and challenge and create a, a new momentum. You know, one election surprise last year was a, a president that nobody expected in Sierra Leone. Um, if you think back, the electorate changed government uh, despite all predictions in Gambia, uh, pushing out a long-standing leader. So sometimes uh, popular vote can actually be transformative and change dynamics. It's the popular vote against the issue of elitism, as was highlighted there by Dr. Vines. Um, Ibrahim, your thoughts on, on the types of politics and the configuration that you cited earlier I mean, this is the thing, is we need to see a new politics. What we are seeing, as Dr. Vine said, is true. In many of these countries, the, the regimes are trying to protect as much as they can by looking at soft landings uh, and, and, and the African Union focusing on stability, especially because, you know, we saw the African Union take a radical step by recognizing the state of South Sudan and what has happened, you know, since. Um, I think what needs to happen uh, is that that they need to be, I mean, they need to be younger leaders, but more accountable leaders. Uh, in, um, and for that to happen, I do think that the issue is not about the transition. Or the, 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 I mean, it's, it's what happens following uh, leadership alternations. 
Um, and, you know, unfortunately, what happens is the momentum generally decreases once the leader steps down, as we've seen in Egypt, as we've seen uh, in Algeria, not, luckily not at that stage where it's decreasing. Uh, but the issue is trying to ensure that the politics that comes out or the systems that come out of a change in leadership are actually systems that are more responsive, uh, a system that are more representative, and that would ensure more smooth transitions and changes in the future. If, if uh, you know, uh, as I was saying to some Sudanese people, if Sudan, Sudanese have had to overthrow their leader three times in the past 60 years, then there's something wrong with the institutions behind what happens afterwards, because you can't overthrow a leader and then 15 years' time have to overthrow another leader. Mm-hmm. It's about reconfiguring the system to become more responsive, representative, uh, accountable, uh, you know, op- uh, efficient. Mm-hmm. Dr. Rupia, would you like to elaborate on the um, sentiments made by both Dr. Vines and Ibrahim there? Certainly, I think one of the lessons that... Uh, you know, is emerging is a lack of credibility from existing political systems, uh, free and fair elections delivering an outcome that then addresses the shortcomings that, uh, you know, the youth and citizens are, you know, preparing to wait. Ibrahim is right in terms of, you know, Khartoum. Uh, Every change of government has been through, you know, uh, overthrow. So certainly where countries are holding free and fair elections, I think the system, the political system of succession has to begin to have some sense of, you know, integrity. And, and you see this in the recent uh, elections in the, in, you know, in the Congo. Uh, the results that came out of the ballot box and the agreement that was then reached to uh, reach an outcome uh, were completely at variance to, to what, uh, you know, the people that had gone into the polls to vote. So, so bottom line, I think, is to move towards a situation where uh, elections on the African continent uh, clearly deliver, uh, you know, real change rather than maintaining the status quo. Mm. And then the accountability measuring stick will only then only rely, we be, will be relying only on uh, protests, Dr. Ellen, Alex Vines, uh, looking at the current status quo. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, 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 the trend, if you look at the whole continent, uh, is, you know, it's, it's actually less kind of radical violence, but more demonstrations, more protests. That is what all the analytics are showing, that we're going to see more and more protests because politics is not delivering, and therefore people are turning to protests. It's also indicative of how Africa is urbanizing. So uh, more y- young people in urban areas equals more protests. So this is a phenomenon that is uh, developing very quickly over the last five years within the continent. Uh, and I do think uh, that we'll see more of this because politics is in a crisis. Uh, mainstream politics is in a crisis. It's not an Africa problem. It's a global problem. Look at what's happening in Europe, North America, what's happening right at the moment in Venezuela. We have a crisis of leadership and a crisis of accountable politics. Uh, and so everybody, I think, is grappling with this at the moment. This is to do with globalization. It's to do with demographics. It's to be, do, do, do with uh, the, the, the disruptive new technologies that we're having and, and, and how young people fit into this. So these are massive questions, 
that, that actually will require not just African solutions, but global ones, I think, too. Ibrahim, let me give you the final sentiment. I mean, I think I agree with all the guests that we that things need to change uh, because we currently, you know, we currently in, in, in a situation where things have protests are a lot more easier, urbanization, um, the fact that, you know, many uh, population growth have meant that many populations are under 30. These global crises mean that the economies of the world are stagnating. And so we need to come up or conceptualize institutions that, that now need to respond to this new uh, reality. And I think until we res- uh, institutions are reconfigured to respond to this new reality, you know, we will see a continuation and an increase of these projects. Well, let me correct myself. I wanted to give Ibrahim the last sentiment, but I also want to hear Dr. Martin Urupia's uh, final thought around the issue whether protests being the only avenue of change, which it seems to be the trend right now. Well, I agree with my colleague, Alex, who has, in fact, extended the context of frustration and protest you know, to a global uh, you know, stage. Uh, certainly for us, you know, we, we had an African continent, you know, point of view, but I think he's right. The, 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 to, to, to close off the conversation, I think we need to acknowledge that there's been, democracy is a very difficult, uh, uh, you know, process to put into place uh, and, and model. But what is clear is that the economic uh, and the politics around democracy is currently constructed uh, needs to be reconfigured, and uh, certainly when it begins to uh, relate uh, um, to the youth, uh, uh, there needs to be change. And I'm not sure exactly, you know, what type of change that we may suggest. But the question is, bottom line, something has to change.